You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. In honor of this every two-year tradition of the New York Mets hiring a brand new manager, we present to you a Rico Bronia in which we attempt to rank the managers in New York Mets history. Isn't it fun every couple of years looking for a brand new manager? Isn't it enjoyable every couple of years having the same damn discussions about, I don't want a guy learning on the job. I want a guy with experience. But oh wait, I can't predict what this guy will be like as a manager. So we all offer these really strong opinions and have these opinions. But then at the end of the day, whoever they hire, we wrap our legs around them, we wrap our arms around them, and we hope for the best. And by April 10th, we're criticizing every pitching move they've ever made. So in my opinion, when ranking managers, when talking about managers, when analyzing managers, there are a few factors I look at. Number one is overachieving with the roster that you have, which is essentially how they hand out the Manager of the Year award every single season. It's not like they give it to the team with the best record and say, hey, that manager did a great job. Usually it's, what were the expectations for that team? Did they overcome those expectations? That guy's the manager of the year. And to a degree, when thinking about the 23 different guys that have managed the New York Mets, that's a part of it. It's not the whole thing, but it's a part of it. Like, what did you do with the talent that you had? Did you overachieve? Did you underachieve? Or did you kind of pull off pretty much what was expected of you? That's one thing I look at. Number two, I look at handling the egos in that room. The 1986 Mets featured a lot of personalities, a lot of crazy personalities. So, yeah, they were really good. Yeah, they won a lot of games. But I think when you look at Davey Johnson, and we'll spend some more time on him in a little bit, in my mind, and I didn't even experience it, I'm looking back at this as a historian, I give him a little bit more credit for handling those personalities and not letting things completely explode. It's different than Joe Torre in the 90s, but in a weird way, it's similar. Both had great teams, but both's biggest job was not necessarily a managerial move, per se, or handling your bullpen. It probably was more handling the egos of what you had. And then the third thing I tend to look at is that horrific managerial move that can almost put a black mark on your tenure as manager of the team. I'll use a non-Met example. As an example, Grady Little. No one thinks about anything Grady Little did as manager of the Boston Red Sox with the exception of one thing, and that was leaving Pedro Martinez in Game 7 of the 2003 ALCS way too long. So to me, 
when I'm analyzing all these matters, especially the ones in my lifetime, I do look at that. Is there a move that jumps out at me that almost negatively affects how I view them? Now, let's go over this. There were 23 managers in the history of the New York Mets. But for the sake of this, we're really only talking about 18 of them because there have been four interim managers who did not exactly get a full opportunity to manage the team. Back in 1967, there was a man named Salty Parker who managed 11 games that season. We are not going to analyze Salty Parker. Roy McMillan managed 43 games in 1975. We're not going to analyze him. Frank Howard, who recently passed away, actually got more of a sample size. He managed 116 games in 1983, but he, too, can't really analyze him. And this is the first one I remember, my first interim manager in my history, and that is Mike Kubich, who managed the team for seven games at the end of the 1991 season. I don't think they ever strongly considered giving him the full-time job. But for those four guys, Kubich, Howard, McMillan, and Parker, in fairness to them, we kind of put them aside. I also broke down the managers into two groups. Group number one, the pre-memory group of Met managers, which means I can give you some basic thoughts about these guys, but I didn't experience them. Casey Stengel, Wes Westrom, Gil Hodges, Yogi Berra, Joe Frazier, Joe Torre, George Bamberger, Davey Johnson, and I even included Buddy Harrelson in this because while I sort of remember the end of Buddy and I remember vague things about the end of his tenure, including, you know, it's been in the news lately about quitting WFAN spots. Bud Harrelson was doing it before anybody else, if you remember. I think Bud quit the Mets extra spot with Howie Rose because he was taking a beating with some of the tough questions that Howie was asking. And that's a testament to the greatness of Howie Rose because Howie Rose will tell you to this day, his favorite player growing up, Bud Harrelson. And he had to ask him very difficult questions during a bad season, and Buddy quit. And I remember that as a kid, as a seven-year-old. Like, whoa, Buddy Harrelson quit. So we will address those guys. I spoke to my dad a few days ago and said, Dad, I want you to rank the pre-memory managers. And he gave me a list. He kind of cheated a little bit, but <laughs> it's my dad's list, and I respect it. And we'll address it in just a couple of minutes. The second tier of managers are the ones I remember. The ones that I really remember. The ones where I was scoring games as they were managing the team. And those guys include, and I'll name the whole list, Jeff Torberg, Dallas Green, Bobby Valentine, Art Howe, Willie Randolph, Jerry Manuel, Terry Collins, Mickey Calloway, Luis Rojas, and obviously Buck Showalter. Carlos Beltran, is he on the list? Will we mention him at all? He was the manager. He never managed the game. So you want, you want me to rank him? <laughs> Maybe number one because he didn't lose the game. Maybe number one, because there's nothing to hate him about. So let's start at the beginning. Casey Stengel, I also feel, should almost be thrown out of this. Casey Stengel had a record of 175 and 404. He had a 302 winning percentage. Those numbers don't even sound real. That is Washington Generals kind of stuff. And he was brought in, and it's almost insulting to say he was brought in as a mascot, but he kind of was. He was an older guy at the time. The Mets weren't even trying to win in the early 60s. They were trying to bring in big names that used to play for the Brooklyn Dodgers or the New York Giants to get people to show up. So I feel awful saying, hey, let's rank them 1 through 18 or 1 through 19 because there were 19 managers that I've included on this list, by the way, just to be accurate about it. There were 2, 4, 6, 8, 9 in the pre-memory managerial list, and there's 2, 4, 6, 8, oh, wow, 9. So it's 9 and 9. It works out perfectly. I guess I've been alive for basically half or at least I remember half 
of the Mets' tenure. So it's nine and nine, and then you got the four guys that we don't include. There's a part of me that doesn't even want to include Casey Stengel. Like, how the hell do we rank him? He wasn't there to try to win. But when I asked my dad, and I said, Dad, do me a favor. Can you rank all the managers? And I gave him the list of the guys that were pre-me, just to get his perspective on it. He did give kind of a a cheap answer, but a very interesting answer. He said, number one, which I was stunned by, I assumed that my dad would repeat what Tom Severus said, what probably Joe Beningo would say, and that is, well, number one is Gil Hodges. That's not what he said. He put Davey Johnson number one. And I think that's really, really interesting because to a lot of the older Met fans, Gil's the guy. Gil's the guy you swear by. But the one thing I do understand about that, and I say this as like the historian, not the guy that experienced it, is that, like I mentioned earlier, Davey had a very difficult job. Davey Johnson had to deal with something that Gil did not. Number one, expectations. Let's face it. The Mets were close in 1984. They were close in 1985. Going into 1986, the year they won their second World Series, their more recent World Series, he had to win. There was expectations for him to win. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Gil Hodges went into a year in which we still refer to them as the Miracle Mets. It doesn't make his job easy or meaningless, or he didn't do amazing things. He did do amazing things, and he showed a lot of guts during his time as Met Manager. But Davey dealt with the weight of expectations, and he also had to deal with that locker room. So my dad's response was very simple. Davey Johnson, number one. Gil Hodges, number two. And this is where he took the easy way out. Everybody else tie for third. (laughs) Which I guess when you think about the guys on the list, when you think about... Bud Harrelson, disaster. You think about George Bamberger, disaster. Joe Frazier, Joe Torrey, disaster. They all fall real far down. Now, there's one other name, though, that he put tied for third that you have to analyze, and that's Yogi Berra. But my dad was telling me this recently, especially in Ed Cranepool's recent book that he wrote, that while Yogi Berra, and please, he is a great Yankee, he's a great American icon, we all love Yogi Berra. We are talking about him as a manager right now. But as a manager, the impression from Ed Cranepool, the feeling my dad has, I certainly remember Howie Rose criticizing the moves he made in the 1973 World Series, not pitching George Stone, going to Tom Seaver on short rest, that Yogi Berra is considered by a lot of older Mets fans a bad manager, that the Mets won despite Yogi Berra. Yogi Berra finished four games under 500, and like I said at the top, when you rank managers, in my mind, The third thing that can hurt you is the move everybody remembers. 1973 was 50 years ago. And if you ask Howie Rose or Gary Cohen or Joe Beningo or my dad about that World Series, the first thing they bring up is Yogi Berra effing up. So I get it. So despite 
you know, the, the Stengel, Westrom, Frazier, Tory, Bamberger, Harrelson's loserness in terms of wins and losses, and it's bad, like they're all well under 500. Yogi Berra has that move that everybody remembers, and that's why he falls down to the bottom. So I was surprised by that. Now, keep this in mind about Davey Johnson. Davey Johnson has the most wins in the history of the New York Mets as a manager. He has won 595 games, and that is a record right now that feels pretty damn safe, especially since the Mets are starting over at manager. So whoever is the manager, you're starting at zero, and you need to manage this team. Forget about the success. you got to do it for a long time to get the 595. Davey was there for seven years. He had a 588 winning percentage, which is far and away the most wins. Like, Terry Collins was the one that came close. He's actually second on the list. Terry Collins has a winning percentage under 500. So Davey not only won 595, he not only made the postseason numerous times, including winning a world championship, but he has a 588 winning percentage. And keep this in mind, and this is a fun one, the New York Mets have seven managers in their history with records above 500. Some of them are obvious. Some of them you'd say, yeah, I know that. The highest winning percentage, like I said, belongs to Davey Johnson. No surprise. The second highest winning percentage, when you think about it, it makes sense, is Willie Randolph. Mets won a lot of games in 06. Despite the collapse in 07, they still won more games than they lost. So he actually has the second highest winning percentage in the history of the franchise. You know who third is? Buck Showalter. (laughs) Think about that. Well, he did win 101 games in his first year here. And despite the failures of 2023, 543. That means Bobby Valentine is actually fourth, 534. But there are three other managers above 500. Two of them are considered bad managers in the history of the franchise. Number four is, but uh, number five is Buddy Harrelson. And a part of why that makes sense is in Buddy's first year, or at least when he took over in 1990, they had success. They were in a little bit of a pennant race. And then 1991 was a disaster. So he finished 529 winning percentage. Then you have Gil Hodges, which makes sense because while 69 was amazing, 68 certainly wasn't, 523. And the last manager who is slightly above 500 <laughs> is a man who will live in the dustpan of Met history. And that is, believe it or not, Mickey Calloway. Mickey Calloway, two games above 500, 163 and 161. Now let's get to the list. The modern day... I watched them list of New York Met managers. And I'm going to start at the bottom where it's very, very difficult. Now, you've got a lot of options for the bottom row. And to me, it came down to two guys. There were two guys I was wrestling back and forth with on who's going to be number nine on the list of managers I remember that I saw that I can rank. The two guys it came down to, and obviously that'll give away number eight because who I don't pick is slightly ahead, but that's okay came down to Jeff Torberg and Art Howe. Those were my two guys. And I went very, very back and forth about it. And things were actually very similar for Jeff Torberg and Art Howe. Why were they similar? Well, number one, both were successful managers elsewhere. I mean, think about that. You know, Jeff Torberg had success with the Chicago White Sox. Like, he won 94 games in 1990. In fact, he was the guy, and there's a there's a phone call I found years ago, of Joe B., my longtime partner, calling Howie Rose on Mets Extra at the end of the 1991 season, saying the pipe dream is to hire Jeff Torberg. That's the guy we got to go get. So a successful, proven manager. Same with Art Al. Very similar. 
Also very similar in that the Mets had spent a lot of money, they had brought in star players, and we went into the 1992 season with expectations. The reason I put Jeff Torberg ahead of Art Howe, twofold. Number one, Jeff Torberg was so bad, he couldn't even get through his second season. Like in his second season, only 38 games in, <coughs> excuse me, only 38 games in 1993, Jeff Torberg was fired. Couldn't even make it. He was also the manager in the first 38 games of maybe the worst Met team I've ever seen. He was also the manager of the worst team money could buy in 1992. Think about the talent the Mets had. And remember, they lost 90 games. They brought in future Hall of Famer Eddie Murray. They brought in Bobby Bonilla. They had Howard Johnson. They had Dave Magadan. They still had Vince Coleman. They had a pitching staff that on paper was going to be led by, get ready for this, David Cohn, Doc Gooden, Brett Saberhagen, and El Sid Fernandez, plus an emerging young lefty named Pete Shurek. Like, this was supposed to be a really good team. And they lost 90 games. And the manager got fired just 38 games in a year or two. So the worst manager in my lifetime is not Art Howe. He's the second worst manager of my lifetime. The number one worst manager is Jeff Torber. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.